From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. From America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber. Live from America Podcast. Where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more. With an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Gorman. Okay, welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem alongside me, Noam Dorman, owner of the Comedy Cellar. Great to see you as usual. We just with him the other day. It was fun. Hello. Hello. And two of my favorite comics and friends are here, Kate Herman and Karen Margolis. Welcome to the show again. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah. hello. And our guest of honor. First time here in the show, actually. Psychologist and eating disorder specialist. Christina Castagnani, Castagnini, Castagnini, Christina Castagnini, Dr. Christina Castagnini. How you doing? It's good, good to have you. Thank you for here. doing this. I know mm-hmm. you're uh, very busy, uh, but I'm glad we got to do it. No, me too. Thanks for having me. Um, all right. So, you guys, uh, how you doing? I think I have the perfect crew here. Why Not is that? food disorder, but just, <laughs> my, just, just my friends. <laughs> So okay, uh, how we don't eat. I know. Last <laughs> time I was on this, I found out I was human traffic. So I'm a little nervous for today's episode. Oh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I was almost human trafficked. Not to not to derail this conversation, but several times. <laughs> it's not a competition, Karen. Damn it. No, 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 no but she wins. No. Uh, were you really almost human trafficked? Yeah, I'm not bright. I like I've fallen into some weird situations. And in one case, I like went with somewhere with someone and the other case, I almost moved to LA like on a whim. And it was like, almost certainly a human trafficking thing. Yeah. In retrospect, it was really, really shady and weird actually through someone that you Hatem and Noam both know, I won't say it on the air, but it was really weird. And I like my friends were like, don't do it. It's human trafficking. And so I was like, okay, guys, oh, if you insist. And then in retrospect, totally, that's what it was. They were right. Somebody I, I know just, is, somebody I know is a human trafficker? Kind of. And you don't think you should share that with me? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Or with the world or with the police? Okay. I don't want to put the document. Uh, I don't have something to tell the police. I wasn't trafficked. <laughs> what am I going to tell the police? I almost flew to LA on a whim into some weird-ass situation. I, just because like, you weren't trafficked doesn't mean you don't have anything to tell the police. I didn't feel that it, I didn't, I, I, first of all, I felt gross and kind of ashamed that I would even fall for something like that. And also like nothing had happened legally that I could take to the police. So I didn't know, like, you know, I, okay. it would, in yeah, retrospect, was when I went through the checklist of is this human trafficking was like, yep, 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 yep. But what am I going to do? I didn't okay. go anywhere. Let's get to the eating disorders. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. Usually it doesn't start like this, but we share yeah, a lot with each other. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Too much information. <laughs> But, yes, uh, my need for control leads me to eat weird. I'm sorry. Let's get into the conversation. <laughs> uh, so as as you see, uh, people love to talk in this podcast and just share everything. <laughs> <laughs> the most the deepest uh, uh, secrets that they have. Um, so I just I have one question about psychology, and then I want to move to food disorder. Unless anybody else want to talk, is is about you know what's going on right now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with Ukraine and 
and COVID before that, and then this, mm-hmm. and then the, and and I don't know. For me, you know, when I go through a lot of bad stuff, which I have, I'm just numb. I don't feel anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed. So, what, what's your take on that? And what's your advice to people to uh, to deal with this? Yeah, I think that's a completely normal reaction. You know, we've had so many things that feel, I mean, surreal, right? Um, you get to a point where it's like, what more can be going on where you just feel like I can't control this? Um, and we can't, you know, there's so many people in power above us that are making big decisions that are affecting all of our lives. And I don't know about the rest of you, but it's like, well, at some point it almost feels like, you know, what, what, what control do we have on a daily basis to make these big decisions? You're watching the pandemic happen. You're being told what to do, stay in your home, get a vaccine, do this, do that. And now it's like, you know, what control do you have over the war? Um, and I know a lot of people I've been talking to are saying, you know, what impact is this going to have on us again financially? What is this going to do to gas prices? What is this going to do? You know, they just feel kind of helpless. And so you hear these things and it just, you know, at some point you do get kind of numb to it, just like, you know, in the past before the pandemic, people were kind of getting numb to, you know, school shootings. You'd hear it on the news. And at first, I think it was shocking. But the more you started hearing about shootings, it just you do get kind of numb to things because you kind of have to. Um because you feel like, what, what can I do? Um, I feel like there's so. also like an opposite effect where it's, there's like an obsession with, with whatever's going wrong for mm-hmm. a while. Like this deep obsession, like everyone's so wrapped up in Ukraine. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. It's like, you know, a huge deal, but it's almost like a fetishization. Like I know for, I'm, I'm guilty. Like mm-hmm. I've spent all my free time over the last several days, just reading and watching about Ukraine mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, it's, I feel terrible for the people and, you know, it's like been heart wrenching, but also I just want to know, like, I want to know the salacious details, you know, it's like the latest drama that's going on in the world. Karen, can you turn up your mic a little bit? Me? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We didn't hear anything you said. Just, really? just kidding. I know. No, but now there's a, I mean, for me, I don't know. There's some people like, uh, and, and, um, you know, scared, probably the younger uh, generation kids and stuff like that are were scared of like nuclear war and stuff like but i don't think we have i don't think it's it's uh, as real as it was back in the day when it first came out you know the threat but, of nuclear war what the threat you yeah. mean the threat of nuclear war yeah why do you think that it still freaks me out i mean i think that's a big deal i'm not trying to get nuked it still really? feels like a big deal well, yeah he- I think that's the one thing that you can nothing do absolutely nothing about. But we're not dealing with someone who's made like we're dealing with someone who's behaving in a way that's a, a departure from the way he's behaved before. Even though he's like launched these invasions or whatever, this is like a new thing. This is yeah, like well, on, this is on a new level. So I don't think that we can necessarily predict with as ac- much accuracy as we could before what he's going to do next. What would so- you diagnose Putin with? Like not allowed <laughs> what's his mental disorder that's like a hipaa violation <laughs> my thoughts have <laughs> my ideas and thoughts i'll get myself in trouble but <laughs> i mean give us guy, one. you know i mean just I mean, working narcissism, diagnosis right? right i mean this guy's not listening to anybody and you know it, like i said i think he's he's people in his own country are protesting and he's putting them in jail. He's, you know, 
not listening. And it's completely, it doesn't make a lot of sense. People even started asking, like, why are we even going to war? It didn't make a lot of sense, except for the fact that he wants to dominate, you know, and put together, I guess he wants to just recreate the map, right? For what reason? I'm not sure, but. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, light up the mood and talk about food disorder. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what exactly is food disorder? Because a lot of people have the feel it's, you know, the word die, we use the word die, you know, and then, uh, you know, when I first uh, think of food disorder, I feel like somebody's not eating, but it could be mm-hmm. also somebody eating a lot, right? So what is exactly food disorder? But I think that's the confusion. So on the surface, it looks like it's about food. And I always say to people, it's about the food, but it's not about the food at all. Um, and it may start out with somebody taking on a diet like myself. I have, uh, I'm recovered from an eating disorder and certainly did start with me wanting to take on a diet and it just warped into something else. Um, it's really about control. Um, and I think that's why we saw so many people uh, during the pandemic um, have an increase in, in disordered eating or eating disorders is because they felt so out of control and, you know, people are stuck at home. And one of the things they really could control was their food intake, whether it's eating less or eating more or whatever they were doing um, because it, it's when you take on a diet, you know, people can do that. And then a lot of times people go off and then they don't think about it again. When you have an eating disorder, it goes way beyond that. All of a sudden they feel really in control and it starts to consume your life. And so people who have eating disorders, it's these, it's all consuming. It's these daily rituals and routines you have to follow. If you don't, you have complete anxiety. Um, it's, you know, I'll ask people, well, how much of your day spent thinking about food or exercise, your body image? And it's like 80, 90%. It's just everything. They will, you know, skip sleep just to make it to the gym, or they will not go to parties because the food that they have to eat or not eat or whatever won't be there. Or, you know, they go on vacation and they will only go to hotels that have gyms and to make sure they work out. Or, um, I mean, it's just all encompassing. Um, you know, there's just so much to it and each individual has their own set of rules and rituals, but it's very, you know, it gets to a point where it becomes their everything over and beyond relationships with people. Um, You know, if they eat, they have categories, you know, like maybe you and I will say, you know, something like, you know, I'll eat this food or that food, but to them, they have like good foods and bad foods. And if they eat the good food, they now become good. If they eat their bad food, they feel bad. Um, they have this emotional connection and tied to food that's over and beyond what other people would have. Um, they start, I call it negotiating with their eating disorder. So um, like if they work out X amount of time, they can earn their food later on. If they don't, they don't get to eat later on. So it's constant negotiating with their eating disorder. Um, they do lots of body checking, say like, body checking can be like constantly weighing themselves. If they go up like 0.4 pounds, then they have to punish themselves and go through all these rituals. If they go down 0.4 pounds, they have a great day, their mood's up, um, then they can allow themselves to eat. But they might go through that like 10 times a day. Um, Body checking can be like looking in every reflective mirror or every reflective surface. It can be like, you know, anything, um, body checking, be comparing themselves to other people they walk past or, you know, with social media, 
looking at all of the images of other people on social media and comparing themselves, which, you know, that's not a great thing right now with all the filters. Yeah. Well, that's um, another question that I have. I was the social media and impact because like, yeah. what is the perfect uh, body? You know, what is the, I mean, people cannot see me full body, but this is it right. but in general. <laughs> like what is the, the perfect body to everybody? I mean, you know. It's Kim Kardashian's body. We all know the answer. <laughs> I don't know. Woman. Yeah, she's a perfect woman. She's somehow managed to continue being that way after giving birth. And I, I, I don't think I like I will never look like that. That's not my physique. But she is unbelievably beautiful and has set the beauty standard for an entire culture, I think. But I mean, I think- it changes from the 20s to the 30s. They had this study about the the, the female. But, and, and the things that's always about female. It's not nobody cares right. about the male's body, you know. Well, but. it's extra, extra unattainable now. Nobody oh, really yeah. looks like that. Nobody Didn't looks she like that. She has all kinds Kim of plastics. Right. Right. Kim Kardashian doesn't even look like that. She looks like that. And then she looks even different in the pictures. But so- she's had so much plastic surgery. That's not her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's become a thing where like the perfect bodies for the rich. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's, it's all filtered too. You know, if you go online, you can find, um, you know, grassroots like Instagrams or things where they will actually show before and after pictures um, where they're altered, you know, the altered pictures and the filtered pictures. So they don't even look like that themselves to your point. Right. So mm-hmm. what are we comparing ourselves to? And I don't know if you saw the social dilemma, but it was like this one point where he said plastic surgeons are getting people coming in with filtered images of themselves saying, can you make me look like this? And they're going, no, that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> that's scary. But it feels like it is possible. No, I mean there, there like was a big thing about why not? Yeah, there was a, there was a big thing about the the Kardashians' grandmother posting a picture that wasn't filtered to them, and they made a big deal out <laughs> of it, you know. But but I mean, like how you want to look is is different from like what what about the people that that don't know that they have eating disorder? I mean, how do you know you have an eating disorder? Like some people, like you said, like a uh, very aware of their body or like, okay, I'm going to wait myself every five minutes. But what about people don't know? They're just not healthy. Well, and I think that's the thing. A lot of people don't know. They just think that they're being very quote unquote healthy or, you know, and I think that's our uh, toxic diet culture too, is it seems like you're just following what everyone else is doing. Um, and so when I talk to people, a lot of times they'll come in for say like a clinical intake and. Um, one of the symptoms of, say, depression or anxiety is an increase or decrease in appetite. And so um, sometimes people will say, yeah, you know, like I'm eating a lot less or I'm eating a lot more. And then when I start getting more into what that looks like, then we start getting their behaviors and their nuanced things and um, they'll start talking more. And the more we talk about like their day to day, it starts to become apparent that this is an all-consuming thing. Um, and they just didn't realize that what started out as maybe like a diet or wanting to be more healthy really has taken over their lives. I don't think a lot of people are aware. So you feel how like- does that transition? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. How does that transition happen? Like, so I assume that the majority of people don't start out wanting to have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Like I assume that it starts out as something that like a diet or whatever. And like, maybe it starts out. It's always, good. I want to look good. It's always that. Well, maybe it starts out good, right? Maybe someone loses five pounds and they look great and they get a lot of compliments or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when does it switch over to a disease? Um, so I think, how does it switch over? It's individual for everybody. You know, um, I don't, it's kind of like with alcohol, you know, it's not like, 
everybody who has their first drink or even gets drunk the first time becomes an alcoholic. Um, it's like how, who, be, who is somebody that ends up having an eating disorder? It, it's so individual. And we are finding that there's a genetic link. Um, and so again, it's like a perfect storm. You know, if there's a lot of stress going on, if you're feeling really out of control, um, and I do think it, there is a lot to it. So usually when I'll talk to people that say, wow, you know, it was great that first time that maybe I did do a diet and I lost weight. It was the first time I got compliments and I loved that high I felt and I wanted to keep getting it. But, you know, over time you stop getting the compliments. So people are chasing that high of getting it and they're just not. And so they keep thinking, well, if I just keep doing this, maybe I'll get it. And they start feeling like a failure. So they try up the ante over and over. And what happens is they start eating less and less and exercising more and more. And as they're eating less and less and exercising more and more, their brain actually atrophies. Um, so this is the case of like anorexia or something. Um, and they can't think clearly. So they're not aware at all. Um, and what, like in the case of like me, and I think a lot of people, they get to the point where their brain, their mammalian brain takes over, they need to eat. And so they'll end up like binging. So for every restrictive phase, there's a binge phase and there's extreme guilt of, oh my gosh, what I just did, right? So you start playing games like, okay, I want to eat. How can I get rid of it? Okay, maybe throwing up, purging, uh, over-exercising is purging. Most people don't think purging um, is anything but self-induced vomiting, but it's laxative use. It's over-exercising, it's fasting, it's lots more things than that. So that's why I think a lot of people don't know what an eating disorder is because all most people know of an eating disorder is anorexia. Mm -hmm. So how do you get someone to stop doing that? If they're so deep in it, if you're doing body checks constantly, then you're like, that's your world. Well, it's getting people off of social media. It's having the awareness. Well, first of all, if somebody is so, uh, deprived of nutrition. Um, we need to get them assessed to see how deep into it is. So it's, it's a team approach. We need to get them in to see a physician, um, to see what's going on physiologically. Um, and then if, if they are at risk, we need to get them to a higher level of care. They may need to go to residential and live somewhere for three, six, nine months to get medically stable. Um, once that happens, they need to get on a meal plan with a nutritionist. And so usually what I work with, I'm an outpatient. Um, I don't do residential, but um, there's a nutritionist on board, a medical doctor doing medical checks. Sometimes it's psychiatrist for medication and then me doing therapy. So it's, it's all encompassing because eating disorders are the deadliest mental illness of all. So um, these aren't things that we take lightly. So it's, it's really a matter of like working all the systems. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like different cultures, uh, different states have a, uh more eating disorder than others? I think so. Um, you know, I haven't lived in other, well, I lived in Hawaii for a while, but it's been a while. It's been like 20 years. Um, but the comments I keep getting from people who move to, I'm in Northern California are what's going on in California. (laughs) You people are so obsessed with how people look and so obsessed with exercise and so obsessed with diets. And it's true. You know, you go to a restaurant here and everything has the calories on it. And, um, you know, Southern California is even, I guess, worse than up here. Um, so I don't know how it is in New York, but, um, I've heard that other States, it's just not that way. They're not as obsessed with, you know, appearance or body or calories or exercise. So I can just speak for up 
in Northern California, it's, it's rampant. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm very busy. Unfortunately, that's not something I say with like, Oh yeah, that's a great thing. It's, it's, it's stressful. What about, what about the age? You know, do you see the new generation more, the younger girls, especially, you know, trying to be uh, certain looks have more eating disorder. Like they just don't want to eat. You know, it's surprising. Like with, Mm-hmm. I don't want to say girls I know, but I mean, girls that <laughs> children of people I know. <laughs> so we're another generation too. Like, I don't like, is Gen Z different? They, they're like they're so, different. they seem so accepting. They seem like yeah. if you go on TikTok, yeah. they're all like, they're not wearing makeup. They don't like, they're just so about being yourself. And like, I don't yeah. know, is, the, is this another generation for eating disorders or they're less? I think there's a mix. So there's a lot more body positivity, um, which is great. I think that's, let's keep that going. Um, but you know, I think the, the myth is that it's only, you know, teenage Caucasian girls of upper middle class that have eating disorders. And that's actually not true. Um, the bulk of my clients right now are middle-aged females, um, which is interesting, but I think there's something to that. They're going through a lot of life transition. A lot of, um, women in that age group are going through divorce. Um, they're also going through menopause, a lot of body changes. And we live in a, unfortunately, ageist society where when you get past a certain age as a female, you're kind of invisible. Um, and so, you know, I think that's shocking to most people to think like, oh, it's sweet. <laughs> Women who are like 55 and older having eating disorders for the first time, or if they had one of them when they were younger, it kind of rears its ugly head again. So what would be your advice? Sorry. Uh, in general to, uh, for people to, uh, you know, have a healthy uh, life without, you know, I mean, diet is, is essential. Diet is important, but diet is not a program. Diet is a, is a way of living. It's it's a style of living, right? Uh, You don't have to go. So are you for the, all the new um, uh, methods of like fasting for a lot of hours, do this, do that, or people, uh, or what's your advice in general for people to have the best, uh, Uh, way possible to use all the nutrition instead of going in a food disorder. Well, and I think if we, if we look at kids, kids are amazing, right? Like when they eat, they just, they eat this food is fuel and nutrition. And I think we've lost that concept. Um, I think we get caught up in the, how do you eat perfectly or what's the good food? What's the bad food? And we've lost that connection. You know, we were born with the ability to know when we're hungry and when we're no longer hungry. Um, you know, and I, I always joke, I'm going to write a book called eat like you pee, you know, it's like, we know when we need to go to the bathroom, we go, you know, and if you hold on to it, it it's painful. Um, it's the same with hunger. We know when we're hungry and we know we're no, we're no longer hungry. We have that same cycle. We have cycles like sleep cycles. We have, you know, cycles for hunger. If we're eating when we're hungry and we stop when we're no longer hungry, it's about every two and a half, three hours that that cycle happens. But we have for lots of reasons kind of numbed ourselves out to it. Um, and we have this, like, I'm virtuous if I didn't eat, you know, a lot today. And it's like, you're not winning a prize here. You're depriving your body of the fuel and nutrition you need to live. We don't plug in like a cell phone, you know, it's like <laughs> you need fuel. Um, we fuel up our cars better than we fuel up our own bodies, which is a sad thing. And we're, you know, people are functioning with like nothing, you know, they go hours and hours working and they don't eat. And I don't know how people are thinking, but 
it's a sad state. You know, we need the nutrition to keep our bodies like functioning and without illness and, you know, just to stay alive. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it starts in like when we start school in kindergarten, you know, suddenly we have to shut that down and say, oh, I'm not hungry because the bell's telling us when we get to eat again. Right. Um, and so something external to our own internal system is telling us when we get to eat or not eat again, which is kind of a sad thing. And also the, the fast food chain and industry and a lot of money put in on it. Once you eat, you eat stuff that's not really good for you. Right. Well, I don't even think it's a matter of not good for you. I think, um, you know, some of these companies have been known to put in like uh, chemicals that, you know, uh, bypass the hunger <laughs> signal. Yeah. Um, and you get like, what was it? Um, there's something in Oreos and Lay's that like, by help you bypass knowing when you get no longer hungry. So you yes, get yeah. kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, a I've never heard that. Why isn't that on the news? That's crazy. <laughs> There's a chemical that makes you not realize you're not hungry and it's in Oreos. Wow. Yeah, there's something. And I think I'm shook. But I think there was if something. You sniff it. <laughs> Is that why I've been mainlining Oreos? <laughs> <laughs> like no, you phrase them that. again. I have to do know. a line of Oreos real quick. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, last question each. Let's let's uh, hit one one question that comes uh, to home. Um, who wants to go first? Kate, you go first. Last question about eating disorder you have. Um, I guess like you touched on it a little bit, but how big of an impact does social media have right now on? Like, has it made more people have eating disorders and stuff or like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, it's worth, um, you know, I think that was a Facebook whistleblower came out and talked about how it's targeting younger people, um, just feeling worse about body image and thinking like, oh gosh, I can look like this. And if I don't, I feel bad. And so it's this notion of looking at yourself and going, I don't look like this there's this perceived idea of like, or this erroneous belief, like, oh, I can look like that. And if I don't, something is wrong with me. Um, And so when somebody's self-esteem is lower because they don't look like how they believe everyone else is supposed to, that's a problem. And I think what happened during the pandemic was people weren't seeing real people in real life. They were seeing lots of images of fake people on social media. And so when you are constantly bombarded with hundreds and maybe thousands of images a day over and over again, that's what we believe in our minds to be beautiful or ideal. Um, I have the solution. I think the filter should make you look worse. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, some of them do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. My kids have the one that makes me look old. I'm like, oh gosh. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, my youngest, my youngest son, not my youngest son, my middle son, um, Manny is um, he's gaining a little weight. Not fat, but he's gaining weight. I could see the he could become fat. So I'm trying to get him to eat less. Uh, but how do I do that without making him self conscious and and giving him an eating disorder? Well, and I think too, it's like with teenagers, right? Their bodies are going to shift and ebb and flow just hormonally and things like that. So maybe not making a big deal out of it. Um, if you're noticing though, that um, like with anything, if a, if a person is turning to something to cope, um, like if he was drinking more or he was doing something more like playing more video games or isolating more, I don't know if he's turning to food more, maybe well, having he, a comp- He's eight. I mean, I don't know, you know. Oh, okay. But I mean, eight-year-olds can do that, right? Like 
they can hoard food for sure. Um, he's definitely not drinking more. <laughs> but we do see that like, you know, um, back actually, go ahead. We, we do see that eight-year-olds, you know, do hoard food in their rooms because they're sad or they're feeling like that can give them a sense of comfort if they're maybe feeling isolated or not having friends or stressed out. So maybe even having the conversation of, you know, hey, how are things going? How are your friends? Um, maybe if you're normalizing it, like, hey, you know, sometimes people eat. Like, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's... Um... I don't think he's drowning his sorrows or anything. I, I think mm-hmm. he just has a different metabolism than the rest of the family does. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and eating like we don't really watch what we eat because we're skinny and he, he does need to watch what he eats a little bit. And I, I don't know how to handle it. It's, it's daunting. Well, and I think something to keep mindful is, um, and people kind of go, what this is, this doesn't make sense because our society doesn't really talk about this, but weight and health are not correlated. Um, and so, you know, but their self, can, weight and self-esteem definitely are. Well, but and so, that's it, you know, but that's our society's problem, right? I mean, that's a way bigger issue. We could have like lots of podcasts about that. Um, you know, and I can by the way, what do you mean weight and health are not correlated? All the weight was a huge risk factor in COVID uh deaths. Well, you know, me and a lot of my colleagues were having big conversations about like, I mean, I could go off on the BMI and like there's a whole thing about how it's a bogus like statistic and it's not based on health and it was, it's nothing. So like, but that's, that's something we're trying to change. And that's something that we're speaking out a lot about because, you know, it's, you can't look at anybody and know their health. And I say that for lots of reasons. So for instance, somebody who's not supposed to be in like a BMI category of like 20, say, you know, maybe a, medical doctor might look at them and say, wow, you look great. Keep up the great work. And maybe ask them, do you exercise? How are you eating? And they're saying, I'm eating lots of vegetables. I work out five days a week, six days a week. Great. Keep it up. What they don't know is maybe they're eating 400 calories a day and working out two hours a day. And they're at a high risk for a heart attack because they're malnourished and over-exercising and they don't do any lab work on them because they look great. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of people in smaller bodies that look Great, according to society who are very, very unhealthy versus like people in much larger bodies and doctors are very shocked when they send them for labs and their lab work looks great. They don't have high blood pressure. They're not at risk for diabetes and people are going, how is that possible? Yeah. Um, uh, we actually have to, uh, we're out of time, but if you guys, uh, thank you. That was an, an amazing conversation. Thank you for so much. If you guys want to share your information, doctor, where you, people can find you, follow you, uh, or if they want to get advice or come see you. Uh, good. Um, I have a podcast. Uh, it's behind the bite podcast. And that's also I have a website with that. It's behind the bite mm-hmm. Um, you can email me. Um, I have an Instagram, which is behind the bite. Um, and yeah, just feel free to DM me or email me with any questions. And we'll have the link in the description here. So if you can go and listen to the podcast, Karen. Um, you can find me everywhere. Karen Margolis, K-E-R-E-N-M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S. Come say hi. Check out my podcast, Two Black Guys with Credit, and the soon-to-be-coming-back Race Wars podcast. There you go. Kate? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Scotch the Cat. Scotch the Cat. All right. Well, guys, thank <laughs> you so much. And um, watch what you eat and go see uh, Dr. Uh, Christina and... Um, I thank you so much for your time and being here. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, Thank Tom. you. Take care. Bye. Bye.